Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. No. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents The Saddle Written by Keith McDuffie And narrated by Cole Burkhart Courage is being stared to death, but saddling up anyways. It was something Sean used to say to Ruth when she was too scared or shy to do something she wanted, rather needed, to do. She's pretty sure he got the saying from someone famous, but the man loved horses, so she thought it a fitting phrase for him to latch on to. And she still thinks of it when she's too chicken shit to do what she wants to do. What she needs to do. Sometimes courage has nothing to do with it at all. Sometimes it's flat-out self-preservation. Common sense. And when those situations face you square on, you may as well take that cowboy saying and toss it right in the toilet, because no manner of courage makes up for being stupid. Ruth had barely a recollection of how she got there, squatting below the beam of Rack's flashlight, picking at a mausoleum keyhole, thinking of Sean. She hated Rat for bringing her here, but he was at least good at finding jobs worth paying a damn in that godforsaken armpit of the world. Worth paying for Sean's medical bills that a cop's salary couldn't touch. She'd have seen to Rat sporting orange duds at Hillsborough County, or among the many laying prone just inside if he wasn't at least good for that. She winced as something flared within her brain, then stood, smacking her head on Rick's flashlight. Shit! Why'd you pick this place? she asked, rubbing her head. This place! Rat threw his hands up. You picked it, remember? Said something something Ambrose, big store, biggest yet. Wouldn't say nothing else. Maybe you could, you know, you know, clue me in? She shook her head. No, no, I... How can I not remember that? Well, you better remember, we need this one. Damn place gives me the creeps. How much longer? I don't know. A few more minutes? No, shut up. The lock was popped five minutes ago, but Rack didn't know that. 
Ruth knelt once again and resumed picking at a keyhole that had already relented, like one would a toothpick digging at a stubborn gobbit. She wasn't ready to go in. Saddle on up, Ruthie. Right. Saddle up, she whispered. She supposed having courage had about as much to do with it as stupidity after all. The fact that she still wore her uniform on jobs like these pointed her actions firmly towards the latter camp, but it helped serve as a cover story more than once. The iron door opened without a sound into the darkness, into the cold, until only where death lay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Ladies first. No, go ahead. Rat shrugged, lifted the toolbox, and shone his flashlight into the gloom. Whatever you say, officer. She hated that Rat felt the need to say that. She could sense his wise-ass smirk as he stepped through the open doorway, as though what lay beyond was nothing at all. It was so easy for him to treat it as just another job, when the clothes he was wearing didn't serve as a contradiction to the task at hand. Her uniform was part of the plan. She knew that. Always had been. Didn't make it feel any less violating. Good to be working with you again, Cassidy, Rat said. Remember our last job? Shit, must have been a year now since. Since the last time I was here, she thought. Saying goodbye. Yeah, something like that. Rat shrugged off the interruption and continued into the cold air of the mausoleum. Ruth followed close behind, her own flashlight lit. The scent of flowers for the dead stung her senses and rattled her already pounding head as she shut the door, echoing off the marble floor and placarded tombs. There was a feeling of finality, of no turning back. If only the proverbial horse she'd saddled onto would carry her forward. Jesus, this place is big, Ratch said, spinning around. Must be a thousand of them. Twelve hundred, she said. Really? Damn. He shone his flashlight along the marble vaults, its beam catching nameplates as it went. All right, so where is she? Section 8C, row 28. Second from the bottom. It came to her, unhindered, automatic. She'd last been there so long ago, yet recalled Sean's resting place like one would a friend's phone number. Or a husband. She tried to shake the thought away. Rat flinched, phased. You remember it just like that? Her head continued to shake. No, forget it, um... Someone else. Ruth turned her eyes to the left, towards section 8C, where along row 28 and two doors up from the floor was a nameplate she'd sure she'd never cast eyes upon again. Yet there she was, mere footsteps away, and for what? Still, she wasn't sure, and Rat's patience with her would no doubt grow thin at the prospect of her not knowing. So, lead the way, said Rack with a flourish of his hand. She scanned the names outside the tombs around her, stacked four high, floor to ceiling. 
Some were clearly older than others, their nameplates more tarnished, vases empty of flowers or containing skeletal, leafless stems. Those more recent had flowers in varying states of decay, or with trinkets and mementos placed at the foot of their stack. Notes, toys, more flowers. Sean had a plastic appaloosa under his, she recalled. She had left it, then, before walking away for what should have been forever. Hey, Cassidy, Rat said. The pain in Ruth's stall surged as she snapped out of her thought. What do you call these things we're looking at? On, on the graves? The things the names are on? Doors? They're tombs. Graves are outside, in the ground. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I think they're like seals or something. Can't call them doors, right? Like ain't, like, ain't like anyone's opening them all the time, you know? Except us, I guess. Yeah, well, some doors are meant to stay shut. Not tonight, they ain't. Not all of them. What kind of job was it? Really. Parting the overly wealthy, the exceedingly fortunate of their overabundances seemed an entirely different sort of job than reliving the dead of precious items left to waste. Perhaps a more honorable thing was to see them do some good in the world than have them forever sealed away. Perhaps, she thought, that was the reasoning enough to get her to find this job as loose a term that it was for it. It still didn't pull a veil over what kind of place this was, nor who took residence there. If not Sean, who was she looking for? She may have had a hand in putting some of the bodies there over the years, but names tend to wither away like petals littering the floor. She chose to keep those names locked away in the mausoleum of her mind, with doors that are forever closed. Closed, perhaps, but not apparently sealed, with an occasional issue that served to drive her mad. Uh, come on, Cassidy, which one? Rat's tone bordered on annoyed. Just blurt it out, come on, first name that pops in your head. Tick-tock, tick-tock, go! Sean, no. The blacksmith's son, she said, though not knowing why. The blacksmith's son. That, that's all I got. What? A blacksmith's son? That's not a name. That ain't gonna be the front of any of these doors. Ruth stepped forward, reading nameplates as she went. Maybe you're wrong, she said. There's more than just names and dates on these. Yeah, all right, but blacksmith's son? I don't know. Don't you just have a name? Just need a name. Come on, think. That's what you cops do. What did he think she'd been doing the moment they arrived? And before that? And what did come before? She presumed a car ride. A phone call. 
all of that lost now, and none of it made sense. How did I tell you about this job? What do you mean, how? You called me, remember? No, what did I say? I didn't tell you a name or anything? Nah, you just said it was in St. Ambrose's and it was enough of a store we'd be set for life. Rat averted Ruth's gaze. He suddenly didn't look good. Her cop's intuition fired. What are you not telling me? She wanted to say, but stopped short as Rat's flashlight flickered out. Ruth turned her own light toward Rack, but he had disappeared as fast as his light had gone dark. Rack? Her flashlight sputtered out. Thud, thud, thud. The hairs on her neck and back sprung lives of their own, standing at shady attention beneath her uniform. The pulse within her brain beat in rhythm to the reverberating sounds around her. She fought the urge to double over in pain as her hand flew to her sidearm. Rack! Thud. Thud. The sound of a match being struck, then a soft glow from her left. Hey, a male voice said. She threw the latch off her weapon and drew it, wheeling about. It was not Rack. The man stood twenty feet from Ruth at the center of the alleyway. Along with the cigarette that hung sideways from his lips, the stained glass-colored moonlight barely illuminated the contours of his pale face in the dark. He was young, well-dressed, and despite his submission with one hand raised, unafraid. "'I'm a cop,' she said. "'Who the hell are you? What are you doing here? Put your other hand up!' Slowly. He complied. I know who you are, Officer Cassidy. Thought you'd be happy to see me. Her pistol remained drawn and ready, safety released. There was nothing good about someone lurking in the dark of a place like that, no matter their business or intentions. She resisted the urge to call out to Rack again. She could explain a uniformed cop's presence just about anywhere— but not with her slime-ball partner-in-crime in tow. "'How the hell should I know who you are?' she asked. "'I can barely see you.' He remained still, with only the movement of slender tendrils of smoke rising from his silhouette. An occasional auburn glow from a cigarette inhale gave hint to the bemused smile that held it. Something about it became at once somewhat familiar to Ruth— but only just. You work here? she asked. A drawn-out exhale. <sighs> Something like that, Ruthie. A realization struck her, and she did all she could to stifle a cry. Sh- 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 Sean? Ruth whispered. At that, the man began lowering his hands. Keep your hands up! Ruthie yelled. What the hell is going on? Who the fuck are you? Ruthie, the voice said with a calm reassurance. Ruthie, it's me. Ruthie released the dead flashlight, letting it clatter to the floor, as she drew the now freed-up hand to steady the first. 
Her fringer teased the safety on her pistol as she fought back tears. Shut up! My husband is dead. Sean is dead. What kind of sick fuck are you calling yourself Sean, huh? Who are you? The man dropped the cigarette, then took a careful step forward into a shaft of moonlight that had illuminated his face in full. Ruth's tears released. Hey, honey. Good to see you again. Through a watery veil, Ruth saw that before her was indeed Sean, just as she'd last seen him. It did nothing to make her lower her weapon, as much as such a vision brought her joy, innate intuition kept her in check. No, she said, shaking her head in disbelief. No, 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 no. Sean sighed. I know. Sorry to drop in on you this way. Thud. Again, to Ruth's right. Again, her head. She snapped to and spun around, her gun now pointed in the direction of the sound. Rat! she called out. Rat's gone, Ruthie, said Sean. It's just you and me right now. He's not coming back. What do you mean, right now? Who else is coming? My dad? (laughs) Sean chuckled nervously. No, not your dad. Thud. What the fuck is that? She said. What's going on? Sean stepped closer. Ruth kept her gun pointed down the dark hallway, where what sounded like the imminent threats lay. The man before her, the person who had to be Sean but couldn't be, was no threat in that place. As her tears continued their descent, John gently placed his hands on her shoulders. Ruthie, you have to remember now. Thud. Ruth jumped, her nerves shot. The sound was louder now, closer, more threatening. This this is crazy. I must be going crazy. Uh, uh, I don't know what you mean. Uh, Remember what? Shh. You're not crazy. The name, Ruthie. The one you came for. It's important. Thud. Thud. Sean turned Ruth to face him and put his hand on her wrist. She complied as he slowly helped her lower their gun. It's time to saddle up, Ruthie. You said a blacksmith's son. Do you mean son of a blacksmith? An Irish name, maybe, like Mick something? You can do this. Her eyes widened and the flow of tears ceased while a calmness began to wash over her. She realized then what she'd missed most about about not having Sean in her life. His reassurance that she could do no wrong, even when that was all she felt she ever did. He also had a way of giving her a nudge when she needed it most. But Gowen... Ruth's words slowed as she dropped her gun and let herself fall into her husband's arms. He held her there, saying nothing. She still had no idea why she was there, how Sean was there, or why such a name was so important and so difficult to muster. All she cared for then was the unlikely reunion, 
to feel for once safe and with a mind finally at peace. Retired Officer Ruth Tassidy remained sedated and restrained in the dirty laboratory bed, an array of sensors covering her wounded head. Dr. Ronald hobbled over with his cane once again to the set of monitors, still displaying the computer-generated interior of the St. Ambrose Mausoleum. Thump! Thump! He cast a glance over at the woman in bed, with puddles of sweat and tears soaking the sheets by her face. He turned the monitors off, retrieved a phone from beside them, and typed out a call. Hey, it's Ronald. I got that name for you. McGowan. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have to resort to, well, uh, more dangerous means. She's lucky. A woman in her mental state, the brain damage, she might not have survived the next phase. A strange thing. It worked even when your avatar malfunctioned and blipped out of the simulation. The names in there didn't seem to matter. She just sort of told the name to... Well, uh, nobody. Just out of the blue. Anyway, payment's due tomorrow. Hope you find what you're looking for, Mr. Racksmith. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? A memory of a memory of a memory. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.